Amen. A number of weeks ago, I invited Mark Spencer to come preach at church long before this crisis had really materialized. And as things came to where they are today, we don't really know where it will be next week, but when they came to today, I, I talked to Mark and he said, do you need to reschedule me? And I, I prayed about it and felt, no, that we were to continue with Mark for a number of different reasons. One, Mark is a pastor. Two, he's a good friend of mine. I really appreciate the brother. But number three, Mark is also a professional counselor, and he understands where people are at, and he has a way of speaking into our lives from the Word of God that brings it home. And so as I prayed about it, I felt like, no, God had planned it for this day, continue on. And so we have with us today Pastor Mark Spencer. Come on up, Mark. Lead us. Bring the Word of God to us. And thanks so much for coming out of your home to be with us today. Clap in your homes. Welcome, <laughs> Mark Spencer. Mark. Thank you, Ken. Good morning, you guys. It's been just great to worship with you and to be with you in spirit. You know, when Jesus tells us that he's going to be present wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he doesn't say how that gathering looks. I mean, we're gathered in his name, right, people? So Jesus is present. We're trusting him and we're looking to him. Um, so the title of my sermon this morning is Holy Interruptions, God. What do we do now? And I really want to talk with you about this interruption that's hit all of our lives. And as Kent has said, it, it's just hit globally. One of the first things my mom did was drill into my head, do not interrupt others. I can still hear her right about here. <laughs> And we know it's never fun to keep getting interrupted. But as annoying as that can be, there's nothing quite like interrupting our plans to get our attention. I mean, that, I feel like it's kind of like the blue suede shoes thing. You can, you can mess with my conversation, but don't touch my calendar. And this is a big problem, right? So today, I'm sure you feel like your calendar is messed with. I mean, the NBA is interrupted, so I don't know what Jim Miller is doing. <laughs> the NHL is interrupted. All those things that seem impervious to change, they're interrupted. All the coffee shops interrupted. Church as usual, interrupted. School interrupted. Work interrupted. Toilet paper supplies interrupted. It's one massive interruption that's hit us. So in the midst of these interruptions... What do we do? So my short answer to that is we must allow God to direct our steps. Now before I get into that a little bit more, I, I, I want to say this, and let me be clear about this, that I'm not saying God sent this virus, but I will say that God knows all about the virus. He was not caught unaware. We were. And since he knows about it, he may have a pretty good idea of how to help us walk through it. And you know how the Lord will do that? Interruptions. So apparently, God has not had the conversation with my mom. But think about this, that the Bible is a parade of interruptions, one after another. They just keep on coming, one story after another story, a parade of interruptions. 
Noah is in his average work day, cruising along, and he gets this interruption. The Lord says to him, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and outside, and then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior, make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and four and a half stories high. Now, he's not done with his interruption yet. It goes on. He says, oh, and bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you and keep them alive during the flood. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. How did Noah respond to the interruption? Did he say, God, I'm really busy right now. I'll see if I can squeeze you in in a few months. Give me a call then. No, we know the story well. We hear it in Sunday school. This is what Scripture says. So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. That's astounding. It's amazing. And I don't want you to think that Noah is this lone superstar because if you go just a number of chapters later in the book of Genesis, there's this guy named Abram. And the Lord interrupts his life and he says to him, leave your nation your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. So it's not going to be an easy interruption. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. How did Abram answer? How did he step into this interruption? Did he say, God, I can't possibly do that. I've got my family here. My network's here. My job is here. My friends are here. This is my place. Um, I'm not going to, no, I don't think that will work. Scripture says, simply, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. No wonder he's called the father of faith. It's just incredible that he goes, he moves, not even knowing the Lord's going to show him the place he's going to. If you skip to the New Testament, there's a young Jewish girl about to get married. She's preparing Very familiar story. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. This is what the angel says. Don't be afraid, Mary. That sounds good. For you found favor with God. That sounds really good. And then he says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. That sounds a little different. And you will name him Jesus, and he will be a very great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And Mary, who was kind of in that bride, bridal fever that was hurrying, she says, no way, I'm, not, I'm getting married. You can't interrupt me. Everyone knows you don't mess with a bride. That's not how Mary reacts. It's not how she responds to this massive interruption. Scripture says, and this is beautiful, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said come true. Now, just in case you're thinking, okay, Mark, Noah, he's a superstar. Abram's a superstar. You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, superstar. I, I need to include one more vignette just to drive home the point. Everybody's favorite guy, Peter. If Peter can do it, we can do it, people. 
One day as Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he sees two brothers, Simon, who's also called Peter, and Andrew, and they're throwing a net in the water, for they fish for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they answered, hey, be quiet, can't you see we're busy? No. Scripture says, at that moment, when they hear the interruption, they do something beautiful. They don't even say anything. It says they left their nets at once, at once, followed him. It's beautiful. I mean, it makes all of heaven applaud loudly. There's just the U-turn. Okay. And you see that God uses these interruptions not to frustrate people, but to align them. And to align them with his best plans. After all, he made all of us with a purpose in mind. So scripture says that we can make our plans, Proverbs 16, verse 9, but the Lord determines our steps. And in this interruption, there's going to be micro-interruptions and we need to let him interrupt our plans and direct our steps. You see, God doesn't ask for our ability. He wants our availability. And the challenge in that is that there's really two kinds of people on the earth. One, there's hurried. And secondly, there's led. Hurried, remember the devil drives, the shepherd leads. Carl Jung said that hurry isn't from the devil, it is the devil. This hurried idea, this rush, the panic, the frenzy, guess where that's from? What we want to do is be led. Romans 8 says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, those are the children of God. And so in this time where we're unsure, where it is unsettling, we want to be a people that are being ushered along as if we're kind of blindfolded. But the one who leads and guides us, the good shepherd, he knows precisely where we need to go, what we need to do, and he's with us. Now the reality is, is that if we say yes to being led, that naturally means that we'll be following Jesus, and that certainly will mean more interruptions. Because if you look into even the Gospel of Mark, 16 chapters of the story of Christ on earth, and you just do a quick count, I counted 32 different interruptions that are just in that Gospel alone. Interruption after interruption. In fact, as you read the story, what you realize is that Jesus' interruptions had interruptions. There were times where he was going to do something and get interrupted and do something over here. So guess what, people? If we will follow Jesus, you know what we're in for. Interruptions. So at this point in time, if you haven't turned me off and you're still listening, you're probably thinking, okay, so tell me again, why does God interrupt? And the reality is this. It's not an interruption to God. It's a perspective. It's a directive. You see, when God inserts a divine interruption in our life, it's either a course correction 
or new marching orders from him. And it's throughout the whole biblical story. You will see character after character after character. I was thinking on this and talking to the Lord about it, and I realized, you know, had Paul's life not been interrupted by getting arrested and thrown in the slammer, we would have a, a serious gap in the New Testament. There was just no way Paul's life had to be interrupted. And it's out of that redirection that the Lord gives us so many incredible letters from the apostle. So the question that follows, and really it's the one that we want to camp on for a little while this morning is, how can we know the interruptions from God? Because, of course, not every interruption is from God. But if there is an interruption that's a divine redirection, we want to know. And so I want to offer to you four markers or signs. And it's not like you need to have all four for it to be God. It's, it's more of looking and noticing in a way where the interruption captures your attention and your direction. And uh, I'll, I'll just go through the four. I'm, because I don't have the slides, I just looked at my PowerPoint notes, and it's blacked out. So we're going to see if the 62-year-old hard drive still spins. <laughs> the first sign is it grabs your attention. Think about Moses. Moses is the shepherd, and he's out there in this near Middle Eastern uh, field where there's all kinds of tumbleweed-looking things. And the reality is, people, that Scripture says Moses saw the burning bush, but it wasn't the burning bush that captured his attention. It was that it kept on burning and didn't consume itself. It grabbed his attention and said, what is this? You see, for a shepherd in those days, the, the heat, I mean, it, it makes Arizona look like a, a, a cool, shadowy place to abide. And when you're out there in the near Middle Eastern field shepherding sheep, it would get so hot and so arid that sometimes these bushes would spontaneously combust and, and catch fire. But Moses was watching and he noticed this is not consuming itself. And then steps into what captured his attention. And you know the story. The Lord speaks to him. The second marker is there's a compelling nudge to it. it, it you can't shake it. it. It seems to bump you along. And when you, when you look in the book of Acts at the story of Paul and the Macedonian call, what you see there is these divine nudges because Paul is a go-getter. And he's shaking his, le you know, his legs and he's, he's out there trying to, trying to get the gospel out to everybody he can. But you see that Paul and his companions, they're traveling through these regions and the Holy Spirit is keeping them, stopping them from preaching in certain regions. And so there's these holy nudges no, not there. And then he gets the vision. Come to us. He gets the Macedonian invitation. It's a, it's a divine nudge that redirects him. The third thing is that there's a, there's a next step. You know what you need to begin with. The disciples, when they heard the invitation from Jesus, they knew in that moment, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to come. I need to get behind him. I need to follow him. So if this interruption catches your attention in a way where you know what the next step is, take it. Because the final 
marker is that rarely do you get a complete plan from God. Abram was told that he's going to go to a land that God's going to show him. But what Abram knows is he needs to go. Next step. And God is going to reveal to him as he gets going, this is where you need to go. So, here, City Hill, is where we take the sermon out to everyday life. We got to get out of the seat and onto the street, as it were. This is a trying interruption. That might be the understatement of the year. There's a lot of change, challenge, scary details. But I'll tell you this. In the midst of history's challenges and changes, God has always sought for a people to walk with him and be living billboards. But therein is the challenge. Are you available? Are you ready? There will be interruptions within this bigger interruption. People will ask you for help. People will call you for prayer. People will need to borrow your toilet paper. They will need you to listen to them. They will come to you with all their interruptions. And will you, will I, step in? There are very, very few times I can think of, really this is the only time I can think of in Scripture where there's a quandary in the throne room of God. God seems for a moment to be wondering aloud what to do about something. And it's in Isaiah 6. The prophet tells us, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Imagine the moment. God, who? Who will go? Who will enter this interrupt? Who will step into this gap? Who will I send? And the reality is, is that we need to recognize as we're moving along the divine nudges of God and accept them and follow them and trust them. Because what marks the people of God is the Spirit of God leading in ways that other people who do not have the Spirit can't begin to comprehend. And so when the people of God say, but the prophet announces, Here am I. Send me. All of heaven erupts with joy. There! There they are, the people of God, stepping in to go with their God, to be the people of God, to be the church. To, they just say, Go ahead, God. Take my life. Use these hands. Use these feet. Use this heart. Use me. Henry Nouwen said towards the end of his career, my whole life I've been complaining that my work was constantly being interrupted until finally now, near the end of my life, I've discovered that interruptions are my work. He's not alone. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, when he's writing Life Together, and you know his setting, World War II, when all the chaos is erupting. People could not believe the interruption on the planet. And here is Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and he writes in Life Together, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will constantly be crossing our paths and canceling our, our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions and needs. 
We must be ready. City Hill. Body of Christ. This, this could be one of the church's finest hours as we step into the interruption within the interruption. The reality is, is that the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, let that set, a Samaritan's good. How did the Samaritan become good? He followed the interruption. It doesn't mean that you're going to be the deliverer of Israel or a builder of an ark. It could be a lot of different things. Our youth pastor was heading out trying to get supplies. And uh, he's a busy guy. His wife is a nurse, so she's incredibly busy right now. And they have a little seven-month-old. And so all of a sudden they realized that they didn't have diapers and wipes, which are essential <laughs> to having a seven-month-old. So he started going to stores and finding the empty shelves that many of us see. And he, he finally he ran into this one target, and he walked up, and as soon as he, he could see on the shelves that there were two packages of wipes. And as he made his way over to pick those up, a lady came around the corner and swooped them up in her hand and put her in the cart. And Mark just stopped and he thought, oh, what am I going to do? This then his phone rang and it was his wife Taylor calling. And um, he inadvertently had it on the speaker so it, it came out. And in the background, you could hear his daughter, Malia, coughing because he had caught this cold. And that cough caught the attention of the woman that grabbed the last two packages of diaper wipes. And you know what? She was a missionary of God. She stopped pushing her cart. She turned around and she said, excuse me, I, I think I overheard you talking to your wife wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but was that your wife? Yeah. It, it, was that your baby coughing? Yeah, she caught a cold. And what were you looking for? Wipes, he said. <laughs> and she turned around and she grabbed the two packages of wipes and put them in his cart. And she said, here, this is a present from God. That's, that's the church in action. Those moments where you'll be aware that instead of putting your head down, your blinders on, and racing to the register to get the last two packages, you stop, you look, you listen, you hear. And in that moment, you say, okay, God, okay. I don't know. She must have a baby or must know someone who has a baby. In that moment, she knew God was sending her to Mark to supply those wipes. John Orberg says this, that our task in order to stay in the flow of God's presence is to pay attention and to refuse the blindness that comes with self-preoccupation. Church, I don't know what's ahead. God does. I believe that with all my heart. I think you do too. But one thing that I'm also certain about is that as we walk through this time, of tremendous interruption. There's going to be these little micro-interruptions that are actually going to be the sovereign God directing your steps and asking you to step in with Him to another person's life 
to represent the life of God, which triumphs over the whole mass. I was talking to Pastor Gary Gilbertson. Gary was my first pastor when I became a Christian many moons ago. And Gary said to me, he said, you know, Mark, I know you're going to be preaching at City Hill. I think you should sing a song. It's been a long time since I've written a song. There were times, again, a long time ago, I led worship here. But um, it, it had kind of that interruptive nudge. I couldn't let it go. And I thought, you rascal, Gary. <laughs> and then as I was walking in my prayer walk, I, uh, and Kent mentioned this psalm, Psalm 46 came to me. And uh, I'd like to close my sermon with singing you this song. So be 
be still. We'll be listening. We'll be ready for your interruptions, for your guidance. For you are God, and you are with us, a mighty fortress that will not be shaken. Thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I I love what Mark said. Uh, City Hill, this is our finest hour. Doesn't mean it will be our easiest hour or our hour without pain and struggle. But I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss what God is speaking to us in this worldwide interruption. Everything's been interrupted. Let's not miss it. Let's be led by the Spirit of God, which will lead and guide us in ways that we that we really can't imagine. And you know, it don't be thinking, I just can't wait till life get gets back to normal. I don't think we'll ever get back to that normal. God will change the world and He will also change us through this time. So I just want to say that I believe it's a great time to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a great time. So have those ears open. Even as Mark was preaching today and the few of us here who are gathered at the worship center, the Lord was speaking, saying, send some money here. I'm going, all right, God, let's do this. Call this person. All right, God, what's the Lord speaking to you today? In this time of interruption, don't waste it. What is the Lord speaking to you today? And then just say, yes, Lord. And go do it. Let's see what God will do. There are doors open that were not open a month ago. Let's be those who are led by the word of the Lord, led by the spirit of God. So thanks for being with us this morning. It's a good time to be together. Please don't be isolated. Be intentional about joining. There's other ways to connect. Call people. Text people. Do Zoom. Get online. Find ways to connect. Don't be isolated in this time. And let's find ways to show the love of God to a world in need. I want to end by just speaking a blessing. It's called a benediction, but in our terms, it's a blessing over you as we wrap up today. May the Lord be your strength in this time of trouble. May he protect you and your family. May he protect you from all harm in Jesus' name. And may God use you, may God use us to be a blessing to many. May you, may we be led by his spirit in Jesus' name. I love you, church. 
Have a great week. Go and love the world in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless.